Yo, guess what? What? That 10K just hit. <laughs> hit the bank account. Shout out to Drafters. The wire transfer hit. Absolutely. Shout out to my Canadian brothers over at Drafters. What a bunch of guys. Yeah, shout out to Drafters for their best ball tournaments. And, you know, they always treat us right. So we, we fuck with Drafters. Shout out to them. Uh, shout out to you for winning the $5.55 best ball championship. Thank you. Maybe people uh, will put some respect on your name, put some respect on the DFS Dose podcast now after you binked that tournament total points, one by point twelve, crazy sweat. Two yards over 17 games. Two yards. That, Unbelievable. That's just, that's just crazy to think about. Like 17 games, 17 weeks of NFL games, you know, 200 plus games, and you win by less than two yards. And I mean, did it take Devin Singletary having his best game of the season, Clyde Edwards Hilaire getting hurt last year for Daryl to make it into the lineup, Trey Lance starting his second game, Noah Fant having his best game of the season, Antonio Brown retiring midway for the guy who was in second place? Yeah. It did. Antonio Gibson getting COVID. Antonio Gibson getting COVID. <laughs> um, T. Higgins putting up like the second best or third best receiver game of the season the week before when you were out of the top five. You de- you definitely ran pure. I mean, absolutely for sure. pure. Like you you can't make it up about all of the things that went right for you and all of the things that went wrong for your opponents. But at the end of the day, that's just best ball, right? That that's that's football. Like there's so much variance week to week, and drafting those, you know, handcuffed running backs that have upside when the starters go down is a way to win, right? I mean, we we've seen it littered across all all of the best ball winning screenshots is guys who took chances on Darrell Williams, Singletary, Rashad Penny was a common name, mm-hmm. uh, Monroe St. Brown uh, as a wide receiver. You know, some of the, some of these low ADP guys, some of these fringe fantasy players that just all went off this week and won a bunch of people money, won you a good amount of money, you know, 10K. It's a pretty good bag, and that, that you just need you just need to run good. Like, it's that simple. Like, you, you can draft all you want. You can have a good process. That'll get you to the finals, I should say. Like on underdog, if you're playing in that turn for, tournament format, and uh, with drafters, you know that it'll get you to where you, to where you want to be, like to have a chance. But ultimately, you do need a good amount of luck and a good amount of run good to win one of these tournaments. So can't really complain. Nah, man, I'll, I'll take that all day, every day. And I I gotta I gotta shout out the total points format. I think I do think it removes some amount of variance because you can't get busted out in one week. You know, you're live until the very end. I'm not sure which one I like better because I do like the tournament format, and I think it provides a little bit more of an edge to people with better processes and better draft structures pre-NFL season. Mm -hmm. But the total points format, I think, when it matters, definitely decreases the amount of things you have to get right and the variance in general, which is good. And, you know, we want less variance. That's kind of the goal with, you know, drafting is to, to minimize the amount of risk you're taking on. So personally, I don't know which one I like better. 
I, I like that we have, have both. pros and cons. You know, I yeah. like that we have both options. You know, a couple of years ago, <laughs> we didn't have both options. You know, now we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to the market expanding. Yeah. And, and now there's playoff best ball, which we'll probably do something about that in the next week. I think that's pretty interesting. A lot of game theory, a lot of strategies behind that. Kind of been thinking about that over the last couple of days. And yeah, market's expanding. You can draft best ball whenever you want, 24-7, pretty much, any time of the year. Like, I mean, yeah, these, season, these sickos already season. have 2022 <laughs> best ball out. That's sick. Yeah, like, there, there's there's no break, which I guess is good for content creators. You know, it gives you something to make content around, especially in the, in the offseason when, you know, the months like April, May, June kind of get dry can always load up a best ball draft stream it uh talk about adp etc so that's a good part and yeah there, there's just so many options now and best ball season officially never ends anymore i so, love it i absolutely love it i would love it too if i won 10k and didn't lose you know 90 percent of the money i invested in <laughs> it's all right dude 2022 is gonna be your year i feel it Welcome to episode 194 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week 18 in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. Going to talk some slate specifics, what the Vegas Lions are telling us about the week. We'll discuss our cash corn, of course, leverage, stacks, and long shots, everything you need to know to have a good chance at banking a tournament this week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join that is in the description to the podcast. Joey, the first week 18 in the history of the NFL has arrived. How are you feeling? Feeling good, uh, ready to discuss this slate, and you know, you didn't even mention, we got our first week where we have to talk about motivation and uh, contract incentives. Oh, yeah. So, so should, should be fun. Um, we got to figure out what teams have something to play for and what teams don't and how that will affect fantasy this week. Definitely going to be playing a role. In terms of Vegas notes, this is a 13-game main slate with seven games early and six games in the afternoon. I wish the NFL had that schedule every single week. It's going to be great having a lot of games early, a lot of games late. The highest totaled game on the week is Seattle and Arizona at 48, and sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have four games with totals of 40 or below. So, On the surface, it looks like it could be a low-scoring week, although I don't know if I would necessarily expect that to translate into DFS. A lot of high-ceiling plays this week. The top five implied team totals on the slate, Indy leads things off with 29.75, Buffalo 29.25, Arizona 27.25, Tennessee 26.75, and Tampa Bay at 24.75. Joey, what stands out to you from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, the lack of high total games definitely stands out for sure. I I think Vegas is just not certain on 
what teams are going to try at this moment in time on Wednesday. Right. Obviously, we will have some more clarity as the week goes on and as coaches announce their intentions to the media, uh, whether or not you know their starting quarterbacks are going to play or whatever. You know, we already have some news about Joe Burrow is not going to play in week 18. So I think Vegas is really just waiting on that and the lines will move accordingly. So I don't think it's a huge factor at this moment in time, but the team totals, I think definitely reflect the teams that are going to try and do have something to play for, for sure. Well, before we get into our cash core, why don't you talk a little bit about team motivation? On the surface, it seems like almost all of these teams that are still in the hunt are going to be, for the most part, playing their guys. Yes, that is exactly right. Um, So I guess we could break it down by teams that have a lot of motivation. The number one team that stands out would be the Titans, and they play in Houston at 1 o'clock. They are currently the one seed. If they were to lose, that would open the door for the Chiefs to become the one seed. But if they win at 1 o'clock on Sunday, then they would be the one seed. And the Chiefs do play Saturday night, so they will know if they have to win or not to become the one seed. And then if we look over to the NFC, we have some teams that have to win to get in. Uh, We have the Saints. They have to win to get in. The 49ers have to win. Um, and then there's just a lot of seeding left uh, to to be determined between both conferences. Uh, we have the Bills and the Patriots. Whatever team wins, um, they would need the other team to lose to become the champion of the AFC East and get a home playoff game. So there is some motivation there. They both play at 4 o'clock. The Chargers and Raiders aren't on the main slate, but whoever wins out of that game will get in. And then the NFC seeding as well. The Bucks can move up to the two seed with a win and a Rams loss. If the Rams win, they will win the division over the Cardinals. If they lose and the Cardinals win, the Cardinals will be the division winner. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens game, both of them have to win to potentially make the playoffs, and then it will come down to the Sunday night football game, uh, whether or not they get in or not. So a lot of teams motivated, a lot of teams playing for seeding and playing for playoff spots. So this is looking to be a slate where I, I think we'll get a good amount of starters playing, to to be honest. like A lot more than you more would than, expect, you know, typically yeah. in this at this time of the year, yeah. at least like three, four, five, six teams are seating their uh, are sitting their guys. Right now, the only confirmed team that we know is sitting their players is the Bengals who announced that mm-hmm. Joe Burrow would not be playing this week. Joe Mixon is also out due to COVID. Yeah, I, I think the Bengals are just fine with having one home playoff game. Yeah, <laughs> you, they're probably you know, happy to the, just be in, in the playoffs, period. Yeah, after being projected a, a bottom like six team before the season started, I think they are just fine with resting their guys, giving them this week off. They'll probably be the four seed due to them resting their players. They will probably lose this game to the Browns, I would assume, with a backup quarterback and, you know, a backup running back, whatever. So, yeah, the the Bengals confirmed resting their starters, but that's it as of recording. Yeah. Which is surprising. But a lot of teams have seeding to play for, and I, I definitely think, like, seeding does matter. Like, one home playoff game or two, you know? I mean, yeah, that's massive. We'll talk more about it on Saturday. We might get some news in between now and then about team motivation. We also have the Saturday games, which could shift things, and uh, we'll we'll cover that on the stream. But as of now, like you said, everybody is 
motivated for the most part. And we can start off at running back where one of the most motivated teams and players is going to be Jonathan Taylor on the Colts. The Colts are in a in and win situation. They have the highest implied team total on the slate, and Jonathan Taylor is looking like a monster play at 9,300. Has has some milestone motivation as well. He's about 260 yards off of a 2K season. Yeah, so he would need just an absolute monster game, uh, his best game ever in his career to reach that 2K milestone, which is definitely unlikely in this spot, but nonetheless, for DraftKings, it's JT 9,300 against Jacksonville, and the Colts have, you know, the highest implied team total out of any team playing on this main slate. Doesn't really get much easier than that for cash games, I don't think. There are definitely scenarios where you can get away from JT, especially with some of the mid-range running backs that we have, and, you know, I will never fault anybody for fading a player that's 9k plus just because we've talked about it before but the 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 amount of times that a player 9k plus kills you is lower than the probability that the 9k player wins you all the money I just don't think there's many ways that JT burns you at 9,300, but he's definitely a standout play. I think he would be a priority for me, but as you mentioned, the mid-range is loaded. Specifically at 6K flat, we have three guys that I think are all in consideration for cash. Devin Singletary in the absolute nut matchup at home against the Jets, and then Elijah Mitchell and Sony Michelle at the same exact 6K price tag, both interesting for cash as well. I would definitely be choosing probably two of these three. If I'm playing JT as my two other running backs for this week, Singletary, like you said, smash spot. He's been getting a ton more work recently at home against the Jets. We've already outlined that they do have something to play for. So I think he should get a good amount of work in a game script that is going to be very favorable. Uh, Sony Michelle, obviously he's been a standout play. Cam Akers, I don't think is a factor at this point. This is a game where if the Rams win, they win the NFC West. 6K for Sony Michelle. He's going to play every single snap. Pretty sure he played every running back snap against the Ravens besides one. Yeah, they gave Jake Funk one snap. And we just don't get those anymore, like in fantasy. You know, fun fact real quick, there was only one running back that had like over a 70 plus percent snap share on the entire season and that was Nashi Harris hmm. so we just don't get those every down workhorse running backs anymore and Sony Michelle is one and has been one over the last month of the season so 6k for him seems like a fucking steal and then Eli Mitchell is the workhorse for the 49ers I mean Kyle Shanahan has just shown us when Eli Mitchell is in no matter if he's banged up a little bit or not, he is going to carry the ball 20-plus times, and he's a factor in the receiving game as well. He's their workhorse. So I think all three of these guys look really great this week. How much of a teardrop is it for you going down a little bit? Two of the other guys I think that are going to be at least in consideration would be Deontay Foreman at 5,700 for the Titans, who we already mentioned have mass uh, implications in their game. And then Samaj P. Ryan, I think is definitely not in this tier at 5,300. Maybe he would have been if Joe Burrow was playing, but with no Burrow, no mix. And I think it's probably a stay away situation for P. Ryan. Yeah, I think P. Ryan will have a little bit of ownership for sure, just because definitely, you know, he's, he's going to get a bunch of touches at 5,300 with no mixing, but it's probably a stay away situ- situation for me 
as well just because of the offensive environment and you know it is kind of a tough matchup against Cleveland and they're going on the road uh so I really have no interest in P Ryan Foreman I guess is a little bit interesting and his role has fluctuated you know week to week so I don't really know if him getting 20 plus touches is sticky and you know we've seen games just two weeks ago when they played the Niners where he has nine touches and then a couple of weeks ago, he played Jacksonville, had 15 touches and, you know, lost a lot of work to to Hilliard and McNichols. So I don't really want to bank on Dante Foreman this week, especially when you have those three guys at 6K. But I guess he's an intriguing, you know, uh, tournament option this week. It's a great matchup. Obviously, Tennessee wants to run the ball and they have supreme motivation this week, barring a Chiefs loss. But then again, if the Titans lose, there are some ways for other teams to become the one seed. So I think they play their starters no matter what. Foreman should eat against the Texans. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, a Titans loss, a Chiefs loss, and a Bills loss would open the door for the Patriots to be the one seed. Yep. Yeah. Which, I mean, would be lit for sure, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so Highly unlikely, but um, something that the titans won't know because both the bills and patriots play at four o'clock and the titans are at one so as long as it seems like no matter what the titans are going to be playing motivated in this spot i I will give the nfl credit they do usually every year do a good job of scheduling the games to where the teams won't know if they have to win or not yeah i like that definitely obviously they don't do a lot of things well (laughs) But they get this right every single season, and obviously it's for money. Like, we're, we're not dumb. They just want the best possible games to draw the most viewers, to make the most money. But at least they get it right. So shout out to the NFL. Yep. Won't hear us say that too often. I think that about sums up the running back position for cash at quarterback. Taysom Hill, I think, is most likely the cash game quarterback. He's priced at 6200 We obviously know what the rushing floor is there. The Saints are a highly motivated team trying to make it to the playoffs. The only other guy that I think you could consider would be Trey Lance if he were the starter, but we don't know about Jimmy Garoppolo's status at this point in the week. Yeah, so Trey Lance if Jimmy Garoppolo is out, is going to probably project as the best quarterback on the board. And I would definitely be interested at that price tag. So that's something that you will have to tune in to the Saturday night live stream to hear our thoughts and opinions on when we have that information. As it stands right now, I'll assume that Jimmy Garoppolo is in. Uh, They are hopeful that he will be back. So that will make Taysom Hill the cash game quarterback, in my opinion, 6,200 against Atlanta. The Saints need a win. Taysom Hill's going to run the ball 10 plus times. Three of his four starts this season, he's had 17 or more DraftKings points. So you're getting a high floor. You're getting a high ceiling with Taysom Hill, and it's a great matchup. So I I don't really think you need to overthink it in cash. I think Taysom is the guy unless we get Trey Lance. Yeah, it's, it's that simple for me. Yep, nobody else I would really consider. We can talk about some other quarterbacks when we get to tournaments. Moving on to wide receiver, Cooper Cup is now priced all the way up to 9700 Obviously, the floor is extremely high. He had a relatively, you know, close to what a floor game is for him last week, still put up over 20 points on DraftKings, but the price tag is getting to the point where I think you can 
pretty easily justify not going there in cash. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, it's his most expensive price of the season this week. Uh, The salary is a little bit tight as it stands right now, just because we do have all of these teams that are going to play their starters. And this entire season, I mean, this, this is just something I noticed, but anytime he's been 9K or over, he hasn't gone over 30 points, right? Like, obviously... That kind of means nothing when projecting for this week, but it just goes to show you, and this is what I was saying with JT, is like, at this price tag, how many times does he realistically kill you? Anytime he's been over 9K this season and you faded him, you were fine. Just because at that price tag, like, he needs 35 to really put a nail in your coffin. Which is totally and, within the range of outcomes, but um, it, like you said, like, you're it's just not in, likely. It's not likely, no. There's a you can always find a fade, especially in GPPs on these very expensive players. And him and Adams are very expensive this week. And obviously Adams is out of consideration. The Packers are going to rest players, but Cup at 9700. I think you could definitely find a fade. He's obviously the best projection at wide receiver, and you kind of want those players in your cash game lineups but I don't think he's a cash necessity. I will bring up, though, that he is close to setting multiple records. He's 12 receptions away from setting the single-season reception record. He's 136 receiving yards away from breaking the single-season record set by Calvin Johnson, and he's 170 away from 2,000. So, I mean, he goes 12 for 171, and he has the best wide receiver season of all time. I mean, that is definitely of note, and he said... And I quote, what those guys did in 16 games, it wouldn't seem right to, I don't know, for those to be broken in 17 games. Yeah. So he kind of feels some way about breaking records with an extra game. And, you know, a lot of people do. I think that, you know, times change and records are meant to be broken. So even if it takes another game, like who cares? But maybe he feels some type of way. And I don't know, Ah. something to think about. Something to think about. All right, let's talk about our favorite wide receiver play of the week. A man who's out there trying to make as much money as we are this week, Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I mean, Diggs this week at home against the Jets with a couple huge contract incentive bonuses. Big money on the line. Potentially. Like, the most out of any player in the league by far. Diggs has over three million potential dollars on the line in this game he needs six catches six to earn 1.55 million and then he also needs 231 receiving yards to earn 1.55 million dollars bruh i mean you can you can you can start him off with six DraftKings points minimum because he's getting those six catches he might get him in the first drive you're telling me that this dude digs isn't talking to Josh Allen and they're like buddy buddy too like oh, yeah. they're best friends they're boys boys off the field on the field whatever like they are tight you're telling me he isn't talking to him in the locker room in the meetings like yo give me these six catches it's a fucking cupcake matchup he's already torched the jets this year mind you give me these six catches i'll buy you a rolex or something like you know damn well this dude Diggs is talking to Josh Allen, telling him, dog, I need those six catches. Like, $1.5 million, That's a like, I, I would like to think that's a lot of money, even for the NFL players. 
especially going into the off season. Oh, absolutely. Where they're where they're not gonna get paid for eight months. Potentially making, you know, an extra one point five or, or three million, that that's pretty big. And Diggs is seventy eight hundred at home against the Jets, like smash bot. I'm all in on Diggs this week and in GPPs. Absolutely. All over it. Yeah. The the prop the money everything. the money bag narrative as as we'll like call if, it. Like if if Josh Allen doesn't give Diggs his six catches, like I, I would be throwing hands if I was Diggs. Like like we're fighting. Swear to God, in the locker room. If he's not throwing the ball to Diggs, I think it would be justified for Diggs to take his clothes off and leave the stadium mid game. Dead ass. Like <laughs> I'm telling you. I would be heated if I was Diggs and he didn't give me fucking those six catches. But I already know that it's going to happen. You can 100% bank on Diggs getting six-plus catches in this game. One million percent. Unless he gets hurt, which would be tragic. Yeah. I'm all over Diggs this week. Lock him in every lineup as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, dead ass. Some of the other wide receivers that I think are interesting for cash games are really going to be loaded in the mid-range. Um you know, Brandon Cooks, 6,300 at home against Tennessee. Pittman, 59. Kirk, 6K. DJ Moore stands out at 5,800 despite the troubling quarterback play in Carolina. Do you have a lean between these guys? They're all sort of similar in my opinion. Yeah, I think all these guys are, are going to project very similarly. I guess my lean would be MPJ just because I think that the Colts have like the most to play for out of these teams. And it's a great spot going up against Jacksonville. Uh, DJ Moore is attached to some terrible quarterback play, played him in cash last weekend. We obviously see that the floor is so low with Sam Darnold in this bad Panthers offense, Uh, but he is going to get a bunch of targets and it is a better spot against the pass funnel in Tampa Bay. Kirk, I guess is okay. You know, he's the wide receiver one for the Cardinals. He's going to get a bunch of targets. I think that's fine against Seattle in the highest totaled game. And then Cooks is obviously fine as well. You know, Houston is just playing to win games. And Cooks, when he's out there, is going to get a bunch of targets. He's put up 19-plus in three straight games. So don't mind him. If I had to rank them out of these four, I think I would go with Pittman, one, Cooks and Kirk are close for me. I think I would go Cooks and then Kirk and then DJ Moore. Yeah, it's hard for me to put Pittman first because I think he has the lowest target floor. I really like Christian Kirk this week. I think I would go Kirk, Cooks, Pittman, Moore. But like I said, they're they're all neck and neck as far as I'm concerned. I wouldn't be like you know, looking down on anybody for playing any of those guys over the other. They're all real close to me. Looking at some, there's just not very much value at wide receiver this week. You know, looking at guys sub 5k, I mean, Julio at 5k flat is interesting, but I don't expect pass volume to be high for Tennessee in this game. You know, Bateman could be interesting at 4,900. Joe Hayden just got put on the COVID list. Lamar Jackson could be back if if that happens. 4,900 is a really good price tag for Bateman, who's been more and more involved in the offense as the year goes on. Gabriel Davis, 4,900. Emmanuel Sanders is listed as day-to-day. It's a good price tag. It's a good matchup, and we know he'll be an every-down player if Sanders is out. Yeah, I think Gabe Davis would be a fine play. Obviously, we're all over Stephon Diggs, and I think a lot of people will be too. So definitely would be a good pivot. For Cash, I don't I don't really know because, you know, Beasley is still healthy. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, healthy. 
Diggs healthy, Knox healthy, uh, Singletary's been getting more work. Just a lot of players in that offense. So I don't know if I would go there, but I think it would be a good tournament play for sure. And other than that, I'm not seeing really much value at all. This is definitely a situation where value might open up as the week goes on and as we get more information about who's resting and who's not. But you're definitely going to get like a Bengals wide receiver at min price be a starter you know, Mm -hmm. or or something like that. And the Packers guys as well, you might get like MVS as the number one or Lazard or or something like that. So eventually we'll, we'll have value, but as it stands right now, I'm not seeing much. Definitely a situation to monitor because if you are playing JT Taysom and two 6k running backs, you know, you're going to need to find some value at wide receiver to get digs in, which is going to be a priority for me this week. So, So definitely a situation to monitor, like the guys that I was looking at early uh, at, at cheap price tags like Treadwell, 4,500, you know, Cyril Grayson, Ray Ray McLeod is 3,800 coming off of a double-digit target game, and we know that the Steelers are going to be motivated. It's a good matchup against Baltimore's depleted secondary, but I don't know. All those plays seem, you know, questionable at best. Yeah, I'm not too interested in, you know, the likes of Grayson and those other guys, to be honest. I, th- I think they're all pretty thin. The really the only one cheap guy I would have some interest in is Antoine Wesley. Yep. At forty one hundred. You know, he's attached to Kyler Murray. It's a good spot against Seattle. Highest total game. The Cardinals do have something to play for in the division. Uh so I, I think that could definitely be a spot to target is Wesley. But even then I, I think that is a little bit thin as the target floor could be uh extremely low with Wesley. But I mean, he, he's he scored two touchdowns and put under twenty points up. You know, yeah, like obviously low upside, um, low floor. But for cash, he might be the the salary saver you need at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. At the tight end position, I mean, this is one of the ugliest weeks we've we've ever had. I mean, there's just literally nothing stands out to me. Every single play makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Yeah, I'm not seeing much. Um, it's grim as it stands right now i guess just look at projections and you know projections are telling me that like higby cole Komet, and jared gerald everett are the best tight end plays from a point per dollar perspective but even then those guys obviously low floor low ceiling players it's really what you're going to be choosing out of is you know which guy has the best chance at scoring 10 points this week and i don't know if i had to pick it's probably Higby, but he is 4K, and you do need some salary relief. So then I guess like Everett at 37 or Komet would be my choice. I guess I would lean Everett there. but I mean, Komet's at least bankable for five targets. He's had five plus in every game since week 12. I would just take the five targets at 3,400 most likely rather than paying an extra 600 to get up to, to Higby who could, you know, very easily also just have like five targets. Yeah, that is, that is very true. Uh, in this situation, you probably just play the cheapest tight end that's viable. And, and maybe we get like DeGuara, the Packers tight end with a potential higher target share. If, if some of the Packers skill position players sit and he's 2,900, definitely a spot to monitor I would think and other than that I'm not I'm not seeing anything at all at the bottom of the pool yeah it's it's ugly it's really just going to be a situation where you're playing whoever fits the salary you know whoever you can stomach saving the salary with because we are going to be trying to pay up 
at running back and at wide receiver. Let's move on to tournaments here. Leverage, stacks, and long shots. How are you planning to get leverage on the field this week? It's hard right now to say on Wednesday, but as it stands right now, people might be on Team Jam Amin this week once again, as they were last week. So in that scenario, I would just look to take a more balanced approach. There's a lot of good pivots at each position this week off of some of the potential chalk guys. Uh, like you have uh, at the top, you have Kamara in a must-win game. As a pivot off JT, you have Delvin Cook. At 7,800, we didn't even talk about Minnesota or Chicago at all. Obviously, they're both out of the playoffs, but I'm not expecting either team to sit their starters. And it's a good spot for Delvin Cook against this Bears run defense. So I wouldn't mind going there and you know, we just have a lot of options this week, finally, uh, at the top of the pool with Kamara, uh, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, uh, Najee Harris. So I, I like some of those guys at the top. And then in the mid-range for running back specifically, I like David Montgomery. I like Ramondre Stevenson if Damian Harris is out and he left last week's game with injury. So I, I think there could be some spots to exploit for sure. And we didn't even mention Chase Edmonds, uh, who should be chalk if James Conner's out. But I think James Conner will be back. But, yeah, yeah pivots pivots off of the chalk seem, seem really strong this week. Yeah, there's, like, I mean, running back ownership is going to consolidate on the guys that we talked about during the cash core. And there's a lot of other solid plays. I mean, my favorite leverage play is definitely going to be Alvin Kamara this week. As it stands right now, I think that Taylor and Cook are projecting his better values and Kamara would be direct leverage off of Taysom Hill. It's an amazing spot with a highly motivated team. It's a good price tag. You're saving a thousand off of JT to go down to Kamara. I mean, he's just a clear cut standout and you know, David Montgomery, 6,800. We didn't talk about him at all. He's been smashing for a month straight. And just, yeah, like all those guys you mentioned, you know, Edmonds, Stevenson, going to be good leverage off of the other running backs. Some pretty clear spots this week, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely love Kamara this week. And I think we agree that, like, he he's a clear-cut, great leverage play uh, on, the, on this slate, for sure. In terms of stacks... What teams are you trying to stack up this week? What games? I mean, obviously you want to stack up teams that have something to play for. So a bill stack with Josh Allen and Diggs looks really strong this week. And I think that will be, you know, my highest own stack. Allen Diggs with, you know, Gabe Davis or Cole Beasley or Dawson Knox at tight end. Try and make that fit for sure. Kyler looks very, very interesting at 7,400. You know, the Cardinals offense hasn't looked great in recent weeks, and, you know, a lot of people have seen that. So people might be off of Kyler and, you know, Christian Kirk. And then you still got A.J. Green, who also has something to play for. Uh, A.J. Green needs 75 yards to get $250,000, which is a pretty good amount of money. So you got that in play, and the Rams, you know, you, you stack the Rams every week. In theory, it should win you money. It hasn't recently, but they're in a good spot against this uh, pass funnel with San Francisco. So I, I like the Rams stack a lot this week. Yeah, those are those are some of my favorites too. I, I want to keep my core relatively consolidated this week in terms of like what teams I'm stacking. So it'll probably be the Bills, the Cardinals, and I'm interested in Tennessee too. I mean, it's affordable. You know, Tannehill is 6K, A.J. Brown 7k julio 5k like you can double stack that with relative ease brandon cooks makes sense as a clear cut bring back or you can just punt it off with 
Brevin Jordan at 2700 for the tight end on the Texans. That's one of my favorite stacks this week as well. Yep, and we know that the Titans will be trying extremely, extremely hard in this spot to get the one seed. So I don't mind that. I don't really like Tannehill. You know, he's had three games with 20-plus DraftKings points on the entire season. Uh, So the ceiling, I think, is just extremely limited. The floor is low, especially if they go more run-heavy, and that would make Foreman a pretty good play. But I definitely like A.J. Brown as a one-off at 7K. And I, I think the spot where the upside is high and the ownership is probably going to be low is the Bucks, And that's just because we don't really have any information on whether or not they are going to sit or play their starters. Bruce Arians has came out and said, like, yeah, we're, we're going to play our starters. And Tom Brady does have some contract and record narratives in play. Like Tom Brady can earn another million dollars in his contract if he has a top five passer rating, if he if he finishes in top five in completion percentage or yards per attempt. So maybe they come out, they let Brady just throw the ball all, all over. Gronk, I think, has the second highest contract incentive bonus behind Stephon Diggs on this week where if he gets seven catches, he'll get 500K. If he gets 85 yards, he'll get 500K. And if he gets three touchdowns, he'll get 500K. So $1.5 million at stake for Gronk this week. So I think with the uncertainty around that, I love a Brady Evans who needs 54 yards for you know his like 100th consecutive 1,000-yard season. <laughs> and, Gronk, and Gronk looks really strong. But obviously, there's the risk that they only play like half the game against uh against Carolina. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really, really like Gronk this week, especially when we consider the weakness at the position that we've been talking about. I mean, you can lock up, I think, uh, at least a decent amount of catches from Gronk this week at 6,300. I, I, I think he gets the seven for 85. Yeah, definitely. I, I think Brady will get, I think Brady will get him the ball, get him the catches in the yards. Obviously, three touchdowns is, is a is a tough ask. It's definitely in the range of outcomes for sure. Uh, and you know, six of his touchdowns have came in three games, two and two and in, in three of the games this year. Obviously, the only concern is, you know, do they play the full game? Which I don't know if they do. They can move up as high as the two seed, and they won't know because the teams that are playing play at four o'clock as well. That could potentially get in front or behind them. So I do think the the Bucks have some motivation, but it's like how much do they care about moving up, you know, from three to two or four to two? Yeah, remains to be seen. We might get some some news on that. I mean, obviously you you referenced the coach speak from Bruce Arians. Um, I don't know. He's one of the guys I don't really trust when when he speaks. To be honest, yeah, not at all. Uh, so definitely something to monitor. But like I said, that's. That's the situation where, you know, if it does work out and they all play, the upside is some of the highest on the slate at low ownership. Yes. All right. Long shot of the week, Joey. Where, where are you taking a stab? A.J. Brown looks really, really enticing at this moment at 7K, but I think he'll come with a decent bit of ownership. I think my favorite, and I'll go back to the well. I'll keep on going back until it hits. And that's Van Jefferson at 5,100. Mm. Going to have no ownership. Salary saver 
for the Matt Stafford stack, you know, if you want to jam in Cup. Hasn't hit in a while, but it's as good of a spot as any, in my opinion, uh, against the Niners at home. The Rams obviously have motivation in this spot, and I just like the ceiling on Van Jefferson, and I think that he could score 20-plus in this game if he gets a couple of those deep down-the-field targets, which he has gotten periodically throughout the season. It's pretty thin, but I'll go back to the well. He he looks pretty interesting to me this week. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I like Van Jefferson every single week. He was a key contributor on my 10K best ball team. So shout out to Van. Always going to have some respect for him for that. I, I like both of the ancillary Cardinals receivers. Wesley, who you mentioned, and I like AJ Green at 5,400. I think Kirk is going to be pretty chalky. And I think that, you know, just adding one of Green or Wesley to your Kyler doubles makes a lot of sense this week. And they're obviously in one of the best spots. Comes with some pretty low-owned bringbacks. I don't expect either of Metcalf or Lockett to be super chalky. Um, you know, Lockett 6,400, Metcalf 6,900. Metcalf coming off of the big three-touchdown game. I think you can go right back to Lockett, um, you know, sort of as the pivot in this spot. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely like that for sure. All right. Let's close out the show with our best bets of the week. Coming off of a 2-0 week, Joey, what do you have for the people this week? All right, so my for my first bet of the week, I like the Rams minus 4.5 at home against the Niners. I just think that the Rams, you know, they haven't been playing well recently, and the Niners kind of have been playing well, and the spread on this game has dropped from six to four and a half. I just think the Rams are one of the more complete teams in the NFL. Second game between these two, the Niners took the first game, you know, at home. I think it's the Rams turn to take this one in the series and finish it one and one. So I like them to win by five or more, honestly, minus four and a half. I'll take that and I'll back Stafford and Cup. Uh, with some record narrative in play. I think the Niners lose this game. Uh, And then my second one is the Sunday night football game, and that's Chargers minus three. I think that the Chargers are the third best team in the AFC behind the Bills and the Chiefs. And obviously, there's some uncertainty, you know, whether or not uh, the Chargers can make a run deep into the playoffs. You know, they've been inconsistent this whole season. But I, I like the Chargers to go into Las Vegas, beat Derek Carr and the Raiders, and make a sizable playoff run. I think they'll win in the first round, and I, I think they could be a potential Super Bowl team. You know, they're getting healthier. They've gotten some of their players back from COVID, and Brandon Staley, I would like to think, is a pretty sharp coach. So give me the Chargers minus three. I like the Chargers also to to make a run into the playoffs. I don't I don't know what the odds are on. Yeah, so I mean, if the Chargers are plus two thousand to win the AFC, that seems like really good odds to me. Especially if you have conviction that they're the third best team in the AFC, and I I agree with you. I'm right there with you on that. Yeah, so I, I like the I like the Chargers a lot in this spot against the Raiders. So those are my two bets. Both of those bets are really solid to me. The first bet that I would make this week is the over in Tennessee-Houston. It's down to 43, which is just a low number. I mean, I've been talking about it. I like pretty much every Titans player on this slate. I think the Titans put up points, and their defense is not good. 
You know, I mean, even even though they're playing the Houston Texans, I think that Houston can put up points against the Titans, despite being unmotivated. They've been playing hard all year. So I, I like that. And then and then the second bet I would make is the Saints minus four and a half. I mean, I think that they win this game easily. The Falcons are terrible. Saints defense is good. They should be able to put up as many points as they want in this spot. And that just that's just not a good line, in my opinion. Four and a half. I, I would like that to be more around like seven. So I think you're getting pretty good points, uh, you know, in the Saints game minus four and a half. Yeah, I was thinking about taking that line too. I, I think they go in and win for sure. And four and a half, I, they should be able to cover that. I think they they just don't have like talent on offense, the Saints. And I, I think the Falcons could upset. I think it's definitely in the range, but I don't know. I, I like that bet and the over in that Texans game. It is pretty low, and you're kind of just banking on the Titans hitting their implied team total, and the Texans have been able to score the ball recently. So I don't mind that either. All right, that is going to be it for episode 194 of the DFS Dose podcast, our first ever breakdown of week 18 in the NFL. Make sure that you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. For more week 18 NFL content you can check out our youtube channel the dfs dose where we post multiple videos per week and we will be back on saturday evening for what i'm expecting to be an impactful late night live stream to revisit the slate and give our updated thoughts as news continues to break all week if you're listening out there we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic